0: For the last 20 years, I've had the privilege of broadcasting engaging conversations with teachers and authors, scientists and engineers, CEOs, journalists, artists, academics, the makers and thinkers who shape the world we live in. I'm Lyle Troxell. Welcome to Geek Speak. I'm Lyle Troxell. In the air room with me is Ben Jaffe. Hey, Ben. Hey. I guess this isn't really an air room. This is more a storage room with good sound.
1: Yeah, it's a yeah, we're in a we're in a large closet. There's uh what? Five tremendously sized Samsung TVs. There's a recycling bin, one of those gigantic blue things. <laughs>
0: We're at the Netflix buildings, and this room, though designed for kind of sound recording stuff, is being used currently for staging of audio visual equipment oh, across the company.
1: That's a really nice box over there. There's
0: a lot of cool things in here.
1: I just, I don't want, I don't care what's inside the box. I just want the box.
0: I record the uh, We Are Netflix podcast in here as well. So I'm always getting kind of amazing people to join me. And either I'm flying down to the LA office and doing stuff there. And in LA, I get to use these really cool screening rooms. Oh, I'd love that glass of water. Hey, Thank
1: you. Here's some water. screening rooms like where you screen movies and television shows and things
0: yeah so like you know episode three drops and it's called a locked cut or a cut and so the production company that's doing that hands it off to the studio and the studio wants to see it in an environment so a bunch of people get together in these rooms the rooms can seat like eight people pretty comfortably and can okay. squeeze in more. and they've got like good sound isolation and everything big cause... projectors and mm-hmm. normally like a uh Space for someone to run stuff. I think you can actually do like editing and stuff in there too, or a little bit. Oh, cool. There's, I don't even know how many rooms, but they're on the second floor of our building down in LA. Have you been down there, Ben? I have been down there. That's a cool office. The elevators are great. (laughs) It's those elevators that you like push a button on
1: the floor you're on where you want to go, it tells you go to B. And then you wait for B. And then D opens and it says, I'm going to the floor you're going to. And you're then like, you think, do I do, do I go in that elevator or do I wait? Because it told me go to go to B. No, it says it
0: goes. There's like a little LCD that's inside the elevator that tells you what rooms are next. So you can kind of like game the system. Uh-huh. The first time I saw that kind of elevator was at the New York Times when I visited a friend years ago. And it just feels so weird to engage, go into a, into a closet that moves with no controls.
1: And it's telling you what to do. Yeah, you just like, like. Don't tell me what. I, I, I want to go in that closet. It takes you where, yeah, yeah. So it's a little
0: creepy, but also, also the...
1: Wait, are you just saying that elevators in general are creepy? Not all elevators. I feel like
0: the pattern of an elevator, you you walk into it and you turn around, right?
1: Oh, God, I love social dynamics in elevators. Absolutely, it's fantastic. I feel like they're universal, and I haven't visited enough countries and gone up enough elevators in other countries to know, but I feel like there's a script, and every no no one has been taught it. By anyone and everyone follows it even when you're all friends yeah
0: i like the idea of you go into an elevator and people are in there but you're not talking to anybody you go in, just turn like 30 degrees to the left when you come in and just stop and then so don't you just move.
1: you just look in a different direction just yeah, stay by the wall
0: because why because everybody turns around of course you go in and you turn around and look at the doors or of course there's an action that you've got to do you got to look at the panel and see if you're going to go to the floor you want to go to or you push a button or you ask somebody there's a whole thing, right? Uh But in these elevators that have already decided where you're going before you enter them, you go in, turn around, like there's action. There's there's no action. And then you're like, okay,
1: I hope that the computers are right.
0: My thinking has evolved on
1: this over Mm. the years. At first, I really I just loved the awkwardness of it. Like, I just, at first I felt awkward and I didn't like it, right? Yeah. And then I started deciding I'm just going to enjoy the awkwardness. And then uh, I, I got this idea from someone somewhere on the internet at some point, uh where the doors close and then you turn around to the people in the elevator who are all just looking ahead and you say, I'm sure you're all wondering why I gathered you here. See
0: <laughs> so this works oh, if I you're charming, that. but it could be <laughs> creepy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're right. Hannibal Lecter saying that. So um so I did that once or twice. And then I thought, that's just kind of mean because some people have social anxiety around this stuff and everything. So now I go into an elevator. I turn around. I, I face the front. Face the door. I face the door. The front, yeah. <laughs> what's what's front? I don't know. And I close my eyes and I just meditate. I just have a oh, moment. Oh, that's good. You yeah. know? Especially in a workplace when you're you going from meeting to meeting and everything. You just have a, a quiet moment. Do you take the elevators in these buildings a lot? Uh, I have a fear of dropping what I'm carrying on the big while stairs. I'm on the big stairs because the stairs are not enclosed. They're open. Yeah, And uh, I'll make myself coffee downstairs and I'll bring these these Gibraltar glasses downstairs because uh, it's nice to make coffee in them. But I just, I'm very Gibraltar, aware that... Gibraltar, those little glass ones? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. They're, they're glass glasses. Uh, <laughs> and I'm just so aware that if I drop one of them, it could very easily just go sideways and fall three stories crash on the ground and then you've got you know shards of glass the entire kitchen i'm actually not worried about the glass shards and stuff i'm worried about the laptop because a laptop falling if it were to hit somebody on the bottom would
0: be devastating
1: yes glass shards if scary but not life-threatening but there's thousands of them oh
0: it would be messy and uncomfortable there's a lot of them people
1: would end up with like cut legs and someone's eye i don't know so I take the elevators. That's what I'm saying, <laughs> where if you drop something, it just lands on the
0: on the floor right at your feet.
1: So you take the elevators because you're worried of the laptop, or
0: no, no, no. I just I, I, I understand your fear of dropping something. So at at Netflix, um, all the buildings are either three or four bu- four stories. You work in a four-story building. I work in a three-story building, tactically. Though mm-hmm. so you work on the third floor, so it doesn't matter. And all the buildings are actually connected with these really cool bridges. So from the third floor of all four buildings, you can walk along. And we just did that. We just moved to the building I was in all the way to the building we were recording in, which is all across all the buildings. Right. And the bridges, you can't drop things. There's no transparency or anything. But all, this, all the kitchens, if you will, if every building has a kitchen— um, or I guess it's not all in the kitchens, that's right. Only your building has a kitchen uh, staircase. But there's a staircase in every single building that's kind of, like, open. And if you look in between, you can see all the floors. Like, it's it's a— You
1: can look down, you can see all the way to the ground, yeah. and you can see the staircase going round and round.
0: And at the bottom, in some of them, are these kitchen spaces, like in the building you're in, these big kitchen spaces. So if you were to drop something, it would shatter into a room with 100 people in it. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, like
1: I said, glass. Yeah, laptops don't shatter into shards of.
0: Yeah, and you're right that most likely no one would stand under the gully of the staircase, if you will. I just always imagine. I always imagine that the thing that's dangerous about things falling is is hitting somebody, and I think that comes from the theater upbringing.
1: Yeah, where in a theater, if you shout heads, everyone knows not to look up, but to run away from that sound. <laughs> like, yeah, run away from the sound, or like put your yeah, yeah. cover yourself up. Yeah, but of course, in, in a work environment, environment like this, no. You say heads, everyone's like, what? I think you say, watch out. And then the other right, it might be bad. Watch out is two syllables. So anyway, I've never dropped anything. Neither have I. But, so, I mean, you don't want to wait until you drop something <laughs> to change your behavior. But I mean, you're not going to, I mean, how frequently do you drop a cup? Have you
0: dropped a cup in an elevator? No. So why is it a worry? Is it a worry that you might decide that dropping is something you want to do? Like you're no. scared of your own decision-making
1: powers? It's not about decision making. Let me let me put it this way: Do you trust your body? Mostly. Have you ever fallen downstairs?
0: <laughs> it's so funny because one of the things I was going to say is that after my back surgery last year, um, I was recovering and I was in that stage of like wearing my brace still. Yeah. And the first day I took my brace off, I in those big staircases in the building I'm in, the last st- couple stairs is just a straight shot, um, and I just tripped and I fell badly on the floor and my cup. Didn't shatter, but it fell no. across. There. Yeah, oh. I had this whole experience on the staircase. Then what are you giving me a hard time for? <laughs> like, <laughs> but I was at the bottom, so nobody got hurt. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Except for me, it was actually kind of a painful experience. And I wore my brace again for another week. <laughs> but you're oh, so you're saying wow. that one day you'll you'll fall and drop it. And no, if you're I won't, on
1: because I take the elevator.
0: Well, no, but if you're on the staircase, that day would be a bad experience and on the elevator it would just be embarrassing.
1: It would be a bad experience like health-wise for everyone else mm. and it would be embarrassing for me. But and so I would you, rather have it be the other way around. You but know? so you have the benefit, though, of having a body type
0: that that's so oh, you don't need the staircase exercise. I have this kind of lethargic thing. It might be a time in my life where I've gained 30 pounds more than I really should wear. I don't walk around much. I don't exercise very much. So the stairs are this great opportunity for me to at least move myself a bit every day.
1: Well, okay. Let me just correct the record. I take the stairs all the times that I'm not carrying cups. What about a laptop? It's fine. But the worst is head trauma to one person. (laughs) That's the worst that's the that, worst can that can happen. head trauma could be deadly. Yeah, but
0: it's just it's one it's just person. One person. Not, <laughs>
1: it's no, not everybody I'm,
0: having to not, st- not eat anything because there might be glass in it.
1: I'm very, yeah, right.
0: I mean, I think I'd rather stop everybody from feed. I, I think I'd rather stop the entire room from eating, throw all the food away, than hit someone from three stories with a laptop in the head.
1: Yeah, but those aren't the only console. We've been talking about dropping cups for a really long time welcome to geek speak where we talk about junk okay so let me ask <laughs> this you is,
0: this is the important thing podcast i do this is what happens we just talk about things
1: this is not the important thing no i know just this is be, why
0: i've been trained go on for yep.
1: those for the, those of us who are not you or me <laughs> this is not the important thing podcast
0: that was such an inclusive thing to
1: say that yeah. was such a great way to think about it so
0: you're you're a you're a, an expert radio person Oh, thanks. I listen to a lot of podcasts, and a lot of people don't have some simple ideas in their mind and so I'm teaching a class right now about podcasting, and that you just had one you have intrinsically something that you do that you just did, which is something that almost nobody does on podcasting, which is fantastic, really good instinct and that is that you
1: said people. For for, for, for for all of the, for us. All of us. Not that for are all not of you and you, me. <laughs> for not all of you listeners. Right. You because didn't exclude the listeners. Yeah. yeah from explain. our perspective. Yeah, it's you listeners. They're not in the room. But actually, so here's a here's a really great way that um I heard first actually I've only heard. Maybe it didn't come from here, but the the podcast called No Dumb Questions. Uh Dustin Sandlin and Matt oh, I don't remember his last name. But anyway, they um they have this podcast and they refer to the audience as the third chair. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. So for the third chair, da, 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 da. which is a lot more concise than for all of us that are not you or me. <laughs> um,
0: so, well, so let me explain this thing to, to people that don't do podcasts. Oh, yeah. Or even people that do podcasts that don't get this. The, the reason why a podcast the reason why you feel so connected to the hosts and people that are on a podcast is because they're having an intimate they're having a conversation with them and and the thing that I use in examples it feels like and I even say this to 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 guests that, have, that I'm trying to relax and get them involved that we're kind of in a bedroom with somebody you know we're, the time when you just hear a person speaking if you're if you're partnered with somebody if you've had that experience mm-hmm. is you're laying in bed at night and the lights are out and you have a conversation that's what a podcast is like it's that very Now, it could be anywhere that you listen. Yeah, like the lights are out, you're staring at the ceiling. And there's just voices. And there's
1: just voices. And so there's no, and there's also no distance from our voices. Your guard is down, too. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're not projecting a personality. Yeah. Which is funny to say because, in a sense, we are guarding ourselves from saying certain things that we don't want shared to a broad audience. I would say
0: that you and I are actually definitely being presentational. We're not being ourselves, if you will. But yeah. that's
1: true at any time you talk with somebody. But if we're a good jo- doing a good job at it, it doesn't sound like we're being presentational. So
0: let me try to say this one more time just so it's really clear. Yes. A podcast form allows you to listen in as a listener and feel like you're part of a conversation. So it's two people talking and you're in there and you're listening too, you're, It's only three people communicating. And that's what the podcast feels like. So you get actually really connected with the 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 um hosts yeah. i just met and had a good conversation with somebody i've listened to a long time through podcasting and it's a very strange experience to meet them and engage with them it was mm-hmm. wonderful maybe i'll talk about it a little bit later but um the point is that 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 mentality that works really well and it sounds it's a it's a an, an welcoming and engaging and personal intimate kind of thing until the, the people on the podcast say hey for you listeners out there And as soon as you do that, you break that and you tell the person that's listening in, you are foreign and you're not part of us.
1: And you're one of many in an audience.
0: Yeah, which I think I hope everybody understands that they're one of many. But it definitely is off-putting to be like in an intimate conversation and have people go, who are you? And that's kind of what it's like. Ah, yeah. So you did this great thing of saying, for all of us— so that way and I do that on on when I interview and stuff will you tell us blah 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 you know that's a good way of saying will it. you or tell us will yeah. you tell me and then the other person's listening but not will you tell the people that don't know this will you tell the others yeah I don't like that so you did this perfect thing of saying for all of us excluding you and me
1: <laughs> will yeah. you tell which is very very nice thank you for summarizing all of that for everyone else who's listening cuz <laughs> no, no, i for i knew all, all of us <laughs> All, all of them. The, yeah, we definitely broke all the rules right there. So actually, uh, here's a question I have for you. What is this podcast? Did you speak podcast? Yes, because when we started, uh, I, you started this before I was a part of it, but yeah. I, I, I joined a decade ago. Yeah, It's been a long time, yeah. and it has evolved. Um, it has. It's evolved a lot.
0: I mean, when it first started, it was a call-in tech show for people that were not necessarily on the internet. And needed help with computers and such. It started it in 19- like
1: it was like thirty percent printers.
0: Yeah, twenty <laughs> percent ISP questions. It started in, in in Santa Cruz in ni- in March of nineteen ninety eight, and it was started by some people that actually have a, a a cruise aisle, which is a big ISP, an internet service provider in Santa Cruz, and they started it, ran it for two years, and then and it was basically just a call in half an hour call in show people would call up and go hey just like you'd call in and say hey doc on a doc show you know my foot's hurting what do i do people would call in and say hey i can't figure out how to do this what kind of keyboard do i need and it was things like you know it, we we transitioned from ps2 type ps2 connectors playstation 2 no. no the the ps2 the the connector um, type connector That's type for
1: ma- mice and keyboard yeah mice and keyboard connector type what that was ps2 right or P- yeah it was I ps/2 i PS/2, think ps/2 very
0: yeah good. so it was a transition from that into USB what's USB exactly Universal serial port, and so there was a show about what is USB. we had a whole episode exactly, so early days were very much about like people had new stuff in their lives and you kind of had to know enough and it was it, it was transitioning from tech was transitioning to mainstream if you were computers in the home were mainstream and and it was a really engaging time, yeah, and you're right, we talked a lot about printers because everybody has printer pain <laughs>
1: printers were the worst
0: it were they're still the worst.
1: Mm, they were worse. They were worse than they are now. Printers of the past were worse yeah. than printers. But they're still terrible.
0: But over time, that changed to more about tech news, and we had some right. amazing people over the years.
1: Science and technology news. Science and technology. Yeah, bridging news. Yeah, a lot of bridging, the ge- bridging the gap between geeks and the rest of humanity is what we always said. And we made the we made the audience the rest of humanity, those outsiders <laughs>
0: yeah. now and funny the the bridge in the gap between the rest of humanity, I think it was my father who came up with that slogan. I um, think we used that for years i
1: mean it's a it's a great slogan,
0: it's good, and that's really the early part of the show was that you know we were trying to help people understand technology from a geek's perspective. and it was really about that
1: also, there was an audience, like it was a radio right. show, and there were people from the audience who would call in, and so you we couldn't have that same. Uh, like what we were just talking about this this intimate conversation with you, me, and the the third person yeah. who is uh, who who is also listening. I was going to say who is you, but not you, but <laughs> but the the other you. We we
0: also because it was radio, it was live. Um, we there was a, a bit of training you had to do that was very different than podcasts. So right. one of the another thing that is a pet peeve of mine on podcasts that I, I want podcast people to understand is that when you bring something up and you talk about it for a little while at the very end of that conversation when you close it out you should mention that again. So we're talking about laptop screens and I really like this lot lap, laptop protect protector screen protector or whatever that's called a P74. And then we talk about it for 20 minutes about how important it is to put a screen on your on on your laptop screen, right? Yeah. And but then you, you at, don't the summarize that, it at the end of that you never end. say B64 again so the person's like ah and on radio that's death, right? Because what do they do? Call the radio station? There's no way to listen to it again. <laughs> yeah. So right. it's I Personally, think that's one of those things that's the host's responsibility to kind of sum up the thing and kind of give the little information again so that the person, if they got interested, can note it, that they can look it up later. Right. But, of course, podcast feeds have links and websites exist, and so you can look it up again as well. That is important.
1: So so what is the show now? It's been
0: very hard to define this show. Yeah. And what's happened in doing this show for this is the 20th season that I've been doing the show.
1: Wow. So I guess I've been I'm at twelve or thirteen. We or could look it up, like but yeah. yeah,
0: it's been a long time. And what's gone on for me is that I've expanded my podcasting audio development into a very professional space. I'm doing right. I'm doing a show for Netflix that was started as kind of a hackathon thing called We Are Netflix, where we talk about the culture of Netflix. And I'm this I'm entering the third season of that. And we're lining up some really amazing podcast episodes and I've traveled around the world to do that show. So I've yeah. traveled to Amsterdam, I've traveled to Tokyo, I've traveled to L.A. a lot and interviewed some incredible people all about Netflix culture and what we do at the Netflix company.
1: Yeah, and then you've got the, the, the other one, the important one. is that
0: <laughs> The important one, yeah. Forget those two. <laughs> this, this this podcast and the No,
1: the third po- the podcast called The Important Thing.
0: Yeah, and that was a direct spinoff. The Important Thing was a direct spinoff of Geek Speak. Because um, you had
1: Michael Lopp on the show.
0: Yeah, I had Michael Lopp on the show. I, I, I think I interviewed him about one of his books about management. Michael Lopspin, early days of, of industry, went to Apple for about nine years, then traveled over to Palantir and then Pinterest and then Slack, and now he's left Slack and has started a new thing as well, And so, or it's gone into a big company. And so his whole career is kind of engaging in how do you help people in software be better engineers and managers and that kind of thing. So he writes a lot of books and does talks, and he's kind of a big writer on the internet's and so I interviewed him about that, and then I did another one, and then he's like, well, I want to do it again, and so pretty soon we started the podcast together. Right. And he already had the podcast, um, and he had called it the important thing because he had this plan that he'd do one big topic for every episode. He did two episodes in 2017, one about pens, which is fantastic. He still he still is really hooked to one type of pen, and he just gave me one, and so I'm going to let you use it. This is one of the pens that he loves. It's called the Zebra Sarasa with a clip. It's a .5, and it's ballpoint. And this is the one that's made in Japan, not the ones that are made in Mexico. They have a different feel. Anyway, he loves that pen. And if you want to hear about pens, you can listen to that episode. And then he also did an episode about Destiny, which is a computer game.
1: Um, this is this is a pretty good pen. I have this pen. You do have this pen. Uh-huh. I bought it in Japan. There you when go. When I was in Japan, which is hilarious. It, but it is a really good pen. Yeah. It, it writes. It writes. So with him,
0: we only could do one topic per episode. And that's why I talked about it earlier. It's, this feels like we... are. Because that would be a what would we start talking about first?
1: Uh, on on this show, yeah,
0: today. Oh, oh elevators and dropping things in stairs, right. Yeah. right? So the one the that would that episode, if it was on the important the important thing, would be called something like the one about dropping things, right? Yeah, and then we just have a ten minute bit about that. So the show is really a lot of fun. He's a great uh, speaker, and, and it's a fun to, one to do. And then because of all these podcasts I'm doing. UCSC uh, contacted me, the arts Department. UC division. Santa Cruz. UC Santa Cruz. What did I say?
1: Oh, uh, yes. you said UCSC. Thank you for... so you're a host, too. Um, I went to UCSC. That's where we met. And you worked at UCSC. Yeah. And then I worked And regular listeners of the show
0: will know a lot about that, because we talked about
1: your how you and I met on the previous episode. Indeed.
0: The dean of the arts called me, said, hey, will you do a podcast for us? And so now I'm teaching a class at UCSC about interviewing for uh-huh. podcasts okay. and how podcasts work. And I'm interviewing these amazing people. The show is not launched. It's called The Art of Change. It will be launching soon, not as soon as this episode will come out. So fourth podcast. That's a lot of podcasting. Yeah. So then what is this show about? If it's not about interviewing artists, if it's not about talking about management and leadership stuff, and if it's not about Netflix as a company, it's got to be something other than those three things.
1: Yeah. So I've, I've always thought about the show as friends hanging out and talking about technology and their experience of technology and their thoughts around technology. And that means we can talk about uh, our specific experiences. We can go into the realm of philosophy. We can talk about how does tech influence social constructs and social norms and, and, and these things we covered in the yeah, past. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and that was the part that I always loved about the show um, beyond talking about news beyond taking calls. Like I always found that to be the most intellectually stimulating for me. And we're obviously not taking calls anymore. We're not really covering tech news anymore. And so for me, that's kind of the backbone of what the show has been in the last couple of years
0: and that's the thing you've kind of said, hey Lyle, we should do this together. You know, we we run into each other in the hall all the time. We have we have coffee all the time, and you yeah, always like, we both work at Netflix. Yeah, <laughs> so you're you're the the, the ping of kind of like what can we talk about? What should we do with this program? Is a has been an interesting conversation you and I have had. And what I've noticed is that I'm not talking a lot about some of the things that come up with me around technology in the other programs, and so I miss the two oh, years of having a regular place to do that and that's why i don't really want to let go of the show and, and close it i want to keep having a place but i i don't know what it will actually be and i think that's okay it's just hard to promote
1: so this is kind of the miscellaneous thoughts around technology or around our experience in the Absolutely. tech world yeah and i think that's and a staircases valuable. and staircases i don't know i think i i think that's valuable yeah It is hard to promote, though.
0: Yeah. And the other thing that's funny is that one of the things I'm really engaged with around technology, and I think you are as well, is how to make podcasts. And so Mm -hmm. it's very common for me to want to talk about podcasting on this program. But not all the listeners are going to care about that topic. And so that's been a challenge that I, like you and I, had this real discussion about how could we record the show better and make it easier and flow and auto-editing, all that. And then both of our day jobs are actually dealing with media management. And editing. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> so it's like, oh, uh, it's a big part of what we're doing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting.
0: So on the walk over here in the four, three buildings, four buildings we walked through, you had mentioned, you asked me a question. I said, oh, can we wait till the show? Because I want to talk about that.
1: Oh, yeah. That's right. How do you experience the thoughts in your head?
0: How do I th- experience the thoughts in my head? Yeah. Did you see the, the meme that went out around recently that's like close your eyes and think of an apple and then open your eyes and look at this picture? And which one did you see? Oh, interesting. And so what the picture was, I'll describe what the picture was, is a photographic representation of a green apple with sunniness and it. was a photo. The next one is like a green apple, but it's two-tone. It's just like a green, you know, apple with a stem, brown and such, but there's not a lot of detail there. It's definitely a drawing. The next one is like more iconic. The last one's kind of like a line, just a pencil line, if you will. And the last is just blackness, no image at all, and it emerged in your head. So I, when I think of an apple... One of the things will happen to me is that when you ask me to vision visualize something, who should answer this first? Do you want to do it first?
1: Well, now that you've told me all the options, let me do it. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I I did do it. Um. I do you want me you. to go first? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, I. So I don't know exactly how to describe it, but I did have a picture of an apple, and it was not like a sketched apple. It had color, but it wasn't. It wasn't as complicated as a photorealistic. Was picture. it
0: floating in space, or was it sitting in a bowl, or a table, or being held by a person's hand?
1: It's sitting on a table. Okay. And I think it was red. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I how think about you? Red apple's pretty. I think when I first did it, I, I don't really recall, and I think I feel like I polluted myself too much to really talk about it. Yeah. But when I when you ask me to visualize something, I I definitely have a tendency to try to visualize it as much as possible, such that I could then draw it, and it's a because I draw every once in a while. like I am actually like drawing things. And so I like the idea of being able to visualize something in my mind and then draw it. However, that's not actually how I draw. How I draw is I put a line on the paper and then I imagine the rest of it being filled in the paper and I keep on adding lines. And so the shape kind of emerges. It's not like I can go, oh, what's in my brain? It's not exactly sure true when I'm talking about what I'm going to construct. If I'm going to construct like a thing out of wood, like I want to in our room of requirement, which is the room upstairs in our home that we do all the art craft stuff and where the sewing room is and such. Um, I really want to take the this- The room
1: of requirement from Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah. Because we <laughs> bought the house.
0: It was like two years ago, we bought the house and we had a room for every kid and we had a living room, we had a kitchen, dining room. They're all kind of merged together. You know my space, right? Yeah. And, and the staircases that move.
1: Exactly. <laughs> and there's
0: this big room upstairs that's just, I don't know, extra room. It's not really a bedroom. It has no closet. It has a closet. But we didn't need his bedroom, so we're like, well, this is the room of requirement. You do anything you want in there.
1: And then it started disappearing when you didn't need it.
0: It does get transformed a lot, but no, I almost always know okay, what Okay, so, sorry. I sorry, that was a Harry story. Potter callback, by the way. Harry Potter's fourth <laughs> book. They needed space to form Dumbledore's army, and so the, the castle actually gives them the room of requirement. Yes, that's what it's from. So anyway, in that room, I want a place where I can do... Cutting paper and things, and hold tools. So I've got this old toolbox, and so I was sketching this. Take this toolbox and make a table that's the same size as one of those large self healing cutting mats. Yeah, right. right. So I want to make it custom, and it, I've got this old toolbox from my grandfather. It's like a, a toolbox you'd have like in a, a garage, uh, like a car a car repair place that has lots of little drawers with tools in it. So I'm going to take that and kind of hack it together and merge this thing and make this thing. So when I'm drawing that, I don't vision exactly what I want in my head. I kind of know the use cases of it the utility of it and i start drawing the utility also understanding the materials i'll be using like i'm going to use three-quarter inch ply i'm going to use steel for this part and so as i'm going i'm like mixing the need for utility ideas with the how do you draw materials i know in three-dimensional 2d but three-dimensional look and so that's the kind of drawing i do if you
1: will it seems almost like the way that you uh build things construct things draw things is you kind of start from a thing and then you continue from that thing yeah yeah i think so yeah like you start with a line and then you figure out okay well what line do i need to add right and, then and add so like line.
0: when i draw a face i make a, I make the chin line the face line the size of the face i do the hair and then i fill in the face i right. don't think what does a person's face look like now when i do that i'm i, I draw better so I, I feel like if i visualize better I could draw better. And so when someone's asked me to visualize something, I try to put it in my mind. But I don't think I actually do have a glistening picture in my mind.
1: Do you uh, hear words? Do you yeah. see? <laughs> do you hear words? Do you see words?
0: Uh, do you neither? I did learn something recently. I'm, for this class I'm doing, every week I'm interviewing a an academic in a field of amazing study, right? So a dramaturgist, a, a documentary animated filmmaker, like really incredible people that write work for academia. So Maggie and I, my, my partner Maggie and I, are constantly researching these papers and reading these papers that are like for, um, for academic ease, if you will. They're a little above my yeah. ac- my educational history. And what I have found that is, if I read them out loud, I take in the information better. Okay, so that's an interesting part about words and, and that's, language. That's
1: input. I yeah. worry about output. Like, what do you mean? If if you are thinking about what's so, actually, th- this is a question I don't know how to answer for myself. But like, how do the words that I am saying come out of my mouth?
0: How does your mouth make the sounds? No, or how does the word come into your brain to then go into your mouth, go into your
1: vocal? Uh, the 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 entire process, like especially at the beginning, there is some sort of an idea of a concept which is just neurons firing, we'll say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that has to be turned into sound. And in order to be have it turned into sound, it needs to first be formed into the idea of what words you might want to say or mm-hmm. maybe what concepts you want to say and then like shaped into the language form.
0: What I find amazing about that is that I think that I can start saying something and I don't know where the sentence will end.
1: Uh-huh, yeah.
0: And if you were to say, stop, what were you going to say you have to restructure it and redo it like there's not you can't break the flow to figure out how you're going to say it and you don't actually know how your sentences will end that's ins- that just seems so counterintuitive how we would you'd would think we would think
1: i mean english is flexible enough
0: that's true it's it's very easy a to a lot of languages actually, are flexible enough
1: that you can change it as you go i wonder if they have to be do you think in english uh yes but there, there are a lot of thoughts in my brain that just exist as thoughts, and I don't really know how to put this into words. But like, uh, I, like, like when I think about this musical experience I had, I saw the Turtle Island String Quartet in college, and there's just this, there's this one particular two measure section at the end of the song that they were performing on the stage, and uh, there's an Ishness about that. There is a something, ishness? a somethingness that I can't put into English words.
0: Oh, there's something important about that thing that happened to you. That's not something you can explain. Yeah, it's, regarding that it's experience, it's in my
1: head. It's stuck. It's not just in its musical form. Can you can you hum it or reproduce uh, it somewhere? Um, is it a chords? No, it's hum chords for me. Would you, sir? It's at the okay. Let, let's see if I can. It's at the end of this uh, this relatively up tempo song, kind of jazzy, and has a lot of um, uh, inertia. And then the end is, uh, and this is a string quartet playing this not very classical piece, and at the end it's da 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 tap 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 bow bow. And there's something about... Is horns? bown is the strings. Okay. Uh, and the tap-tap-tap the is the, the cellist hitting his instrument with his fingertip. And there's, there's just something about the way that it breaks tempo, the way that it breaks the entire form of the song. And it's not even like a particularly stereotypically emotional moment, but it hit me in a really deep way. When and I, you, and I don't it, know how to express it, Yeah,
0: you know? like So I, it's hard for me to then ask you more questions about what do you mean by deep. Was no. it, did it bring tears to your eyes? Did yeah. it make your body move? Did, it, did you shake? Did, like, it was, yeah, te- it was it, tearful? Yeah, it, it
1: brought, it, and, and recounting it actually yeah. afterwards, it, it think, would bring tears to my eyes. I think sometimes
0: when it's hard to explain how you're feeling, it's a cool way to, uh, one way to express that is to describe what your body's, what's happened to your body. Yeah. Because even if you, even if i don't know what that feeling was i know what the feeling in the 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 manifestation in the body might feel like like the teary eyes is a good example like why are you crying is it funny is it, it sad is it is there dust in the air but we all have the we know what it feels like to have your eyes be moist
1: it's like um it's like a combination of this feeling of like your body collapsing like crumpling mm-hmm. and the rug being pulled out from under you like it's a thing that happened to me
0: and you were in a space you could see the cellists do this with their hand
1: uh, yeah i was watching them uh, yeah. the the four uh string instrument uh instrumentalists on stage do you think
0: that's the first time you saw a string instrument being used as a percussion instrument no okay i always find that compelling in some way yeah uh
1: also just a reflection it's interesting how uh how how strange it is to talk about being emotionally moved by something that is not words. Like it's vulnerable to say, I read this poem and I cried or I listened to this song and I cried. But, but if there's something that is not words, it's not something that everyone can understand and say like, Oh, I see how this would be sad. Like all of these things are just, you know, poking the right neurons in your brain to make you cry. Uh, it's, it's funny because it feels like there's this language barrier, right?
0: Yeah. Some of those experiences, you don't have words to describe what they are. And I think, that's a, I think that's a normal thing in some way. That I also feel like when you start describing it in English, and you start manifesting it in a way to describe it, you're actually transforming a bit. You're translating what you really experienced. Yeah. And so you're losing it at some level. Yeah. So funny. I'm doing this. It's like Babblefish. I'm like, doing this ongoing series with Warren Sack, who you know. Uh-huh. He's one of the faculty at UCSC, but on Geek Speak. And uh, get listeners of GeekSpeak will actually hear, heard of two episodes. The next episode we're going to talk about is about language. And I, I do want to get into this, but I know that his book's really about software art, so it's not going to go to this level. But, so let's drop the, like, can you translate the language thing a little bit and just talk more about how do you think about music? I know that's hard to answer. How
1: do you think about music? Because you asked Ooh. me, like,
0: like the visual thing is an interesting one, Right. Because then you can see a picture and it's like, is this picture in your brain? I don't have the clear picture in the brain. Um, like I, for example, if I think of my family and try to envision their, face, envision their faces, I know what they look like, right? I recognize them instantaneously. Yeah. I live with them. I, you know, My, my son's 18 years old. I, I know what he looks like every day of his life. But I can't draw a picture of his face that looks exactly like him from memory. And yet I can draw... Um, any kind of three-dimensional shape and make it look exactly the way I want. I can look at something or I can imagine something in my mind. I can build, I can draw my house pretty much to scale isomorphically uh-huh. and give it, you know, take a while. I can do that. I've done that before. So, there's not, it, it's like, why is the face for me, is it a face blindness? And I don't know. Why can I not draw a face but I can perfectly draw a chair in my house hmm. from memory? I, there's something there about that, I think. So, going to the music sensation that you have that feeling i know i get affected by music because if i play like kind of i like start getting more tense but it's there's nothing intellectual about that it's more about like the embodiment that grows on my body
1: Uh uh-huh things can have an intellectual and an emotional component and they can coexist so uh a connection that i know that that at least you'll understand because you have theater experience like me is learning how something is done on stage does not really like a lot of people would say, okay, you did theater tech. So like, does that take away the magic of it? And like, I hate to say it, but in some way, a little bit, yes, but not as much as you think, you know, like most of the magic still remains. And then there's a depth of, Understanding that's behind all of it that makes it even more special, and um, I, I think yeah, I
0: totally. I told, I'm, I'm gonna, the same kind of thing happens in yeah. film. Like, I know a bit about how visual effects are done. I know a bit awesome. about how CG is done. And so, when you look at a film that's that way, you can gauge it from the perspective of how, how they do this. Is how many people are actually in the scene? Are they doing green screen as their background? And if you engage that mind, there's a different level of there's, there's a level of enjoyment about that about figuring it out. Which takes you out of the actual immersion that you have maybe in the film if you don't think about that and you're just thinking about the people and their engagement.
1: Yeah, but it doesn't kill the whole thing for me. No, no.
0: But you're right. It's like a different way of appreciating it.
1: Music is kind of like that for me. So I I can play by ear. I've played uh, music since I was four years old. But I still have this deep, visceral, emotional experience when I listen to a piece of music. But I can also say... Oh, interesting. That was more emotionally moving because it was in 5 4 the entire song. And then they added one extra beat and, and turned it to, to 6 4 for this in order to insert this extra percussive element to like stretch the third chorus. Like, I don't know. I, I, can, yeah. I can break it down, but it still hits me.
0: Uh, Do you find that you're, you're modal in that regard? Like, sometimes you're just listening and experiencing the emotion, yeah. and sometimes you're analyzing?
1: I'd say so, I think. I think. Yeah. But here's an interesting thing. Uh, in being able to play by ear, if I if I hear a melody, I can sit down at a piano and I can just play it right back. It doesn't take any effort. And a lot of other people can't do that. And some people who can barely do that or who can kind of do that or even have worked on it a lot, it takes a lot of effort for them. For me, it doesn't take any effort. And it feels to me like the way... Uh, when I listen to you say a sentence, it doesn't take effort for me to 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 figure out what you're saying. I don't have to pull apart the audio that's coming into my ears and figure out, oh, this is this vowel and that forms this word and, you know, et cetera. It just happens. It's just a language that I intuitively can process. And, and music feels that way to me.
0: It does feel that way. So, not only can you intuitively process it, I would argue you cannot choose not to process it.
1: I cannot choose not to process it. Let me say I it this way: I would say, yeah. I would say, if I'm very tired, or like yeah. tipsy, or high, or something or like asleep. that, or or asleep. <laughs> if I modify
0: my brain enough,
1: yeah. Uh, but but yeah, if it, it like slows down my brain enough that. That analysis still is happening.
0: I love that the way I said that to you was a double negative. So you had to use your, you had to process it a bit to make sure you understood it. Uh So actually, I I showed the counterexample the way I was saying it. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, the classic example is, you know, don't think of a Apple, right? And... You know that I said Apple, and you know what that means. Now, for you, that Apple could mean a lot of things, right? You might think of the French word for it. You might think of the company. You might think of that Apple on the table that you visioned earlier that was red. But no matter what it is, me just deciding to say Apple has changed what you're thinking about. And there's nothing you can do about it.
1: Yeah, I'm not fully in control. Of, yeah. in, a, in a way, I don't have that autonomy.
0: And this leans into one of the things that's going on in my life is that I'm, I've been meditating. And are you meditating,
1: too? Uh, A little bit in elevators. (laughs) Um,
0: And thinking about how my mind decides to
1: think has been quite... Thinking about how your mind decides to think.
0: Or the way that my mind thinks or the way I think.
1: So being aware of the presence or the movement of your thoughts...
0: When I was young, I grew up in a hippie house, right? Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of people that knew a lot of answers to all the questions in the universe. They had all these great opinions and they were driven a lot by LSD and pot. Did, and
1: you, did you do any interviews with them?
0: No, but I grew up in those environments. I, should, I, I kind of wanted to do a series. Yeah. But I grew up in that environment such that I got, I started becoming very skeptical of people that said, well, this is the way the world works. Th- that that experience of growing up with people that are like, this is the way it works, and you need to meditate, and the universe is this way, and God is this, and all that, turned me off from all those things. And meditation was part of that milieu. And so I got really distant from that. It was like I didn't want anything to do with it. And then as I've gotten older, I've gotten a lot more hippie-ish. No, um, I have gotten to this point where I do want to understand how I think. And, and a big reason for that is I'm looking at the, the things I do in my life, and sometimes I do things that I don't feel are the best choice for myself, like eating too much, for example. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at, like, well, what's motivating me? The sleepiness, whatever it is.
1: So you rejected meditation because it was lumped in with a bunch of other things that you— A bunch of woo. Yeah, that you um, rejected. Yeah. And now you're pulling that one piece back out and saying, you know, maybe actually that's good for me.
0: Yeah. I wouldn't say I rejected that stuff. I'm, but I have some judgment about it. Uh, yeah. So the, the meditative piece now I've gotten to this point of like I'm not when I'm talking about meditation I'm not talking about anything non uh, scientific. I, it fully fits into my perspective that the best way to figure out the world is by questioning it and using mm-hmm. the scientific methods mm-hmm. because we're fallible human beings. And so fallible,
1: not valuable. We are valuable too. Well, oh, yeah, that's a good but point. Fa- fa- we're, fa- we're both fa- valuable. Fa- valuable and fallible. Fa- fallible. Fallible. Thank you.
0: So the the thing I just—I was talking to Brian the other day about this, and Brian's another one of the people that are on the program sometimes, a friend of ours. And I was saying that the reason why I think it's important to think about how you think is that if you look at your thoughts and understand that they're just emerging to you, they're just coming around, they're not controlled. So, for example, when I say Apple, something comes in your mind. Mm-hmm. And then you I might say something else, something else comes in your mind. Those things that are coming in your mind, sure, you're thinking about those. But it's not like you're choosing what to think about. It's right. a flow of thought, just like sounds are flowing to you. And so the trick about being more aware of your the way you engage in the world and is to recognize that flow is something that's there. But you don't always have to decide that you're going to own that thought and go forward with it.
1: Yeah. A way that I've heard it phrased is you're sitting on a riverbank and there are these logs that are going down the river Course now I think of Frogger. It's really annoying that I've imagined Frogger. Uh, but your your thoughts are just floating down this river, and you can choose to go pick it up or you can choose not to. And actually, um, one thing that really helped me in my development as a human being, especially a social human being, is when I had something to say, when something would come into my mind that I wanted to share, uh, I would hold on to it and then the conversation would move on and I would still be holding on to it. And then like two minutes later, there would be a gap and then I would fit that in and it just, it broke the conversational flow. And so when I learned that it was okay to let go of some interesting thoughts and just let them go or jokes, just let them go, uh, everything flows a lot better. Yeah. And maybe it'll maybe it'll come back around to that idea later on, but it's like uh the the less you try to control things, just the smoother things are for you
0: if you've had an experience of meditating and you you know were told to empty your mind whatever everything i i'm not i don't think that's a a good way to start
1: the emptying your mind bit?
0: yeah, I think that's a not a good thing to start. I think the thing that really has helped me is first to get to this point where you can like the The methodology I've been using is, or earlier on, was focus on the breath and just listen and think about just the breathing and try to stay with it and count how many breaths you can actually count without thinking about anything else. You're really trying to think about nothing else, right? But then, what I'm the stage I'm at right now is, when a thought comes along, I just see with a thought and try to figure out where it came from, or, or and then not hold it very long and let it go. Yeah. And then it's I feel like a guided meditation is very useful that will interrupt you every once in a while and go, okay. Don't, you know, whatever you're thinking no, about.
1: Just pull you back talk to it, your yeah. breathing or, yeah. or whatever.
0: Anyway, so um, if you haven't done that, I, I highly recommend it.
1: There's actually a thing we were talking about earlier um, about listening to podcasts all the time, mm. which connects very well to this.
0: Another part of our conversation as we walked over here.
1: Yes. Yeah. And then, and of course, what always happens when we're about to record is we are having good conversation. We're like, no, no, stop, stop. <laughs> Don't talk about this right now. We'll turn on the mics first, um, just in case, because, you know, you never know. But uh, recently I've been trying not to listen to things very much. There are a number of podcasts that I love. And I don't listen to them right when they come out. And sometimes I just don't listen to them. And I've learned to let those go too. Because uh, otherwise I feel like I've got this list of things I have to get through. Mm. And of course it's all, it's all for Uh, it's uh, for a good cause because I'm going to learn all this stuff and and everything. But then I find that I just end up zoning out anyway. And then I don't have the space to think about the things I'm zoning off to. But then I don't have the space to listen to the things that are being thrown at me. So I learn nothing and I don't get any good thought done. Uh, So when I drive home now, sometimes I just intentionally don't put something on.
0: You don't put anything to listen to on. You just drive. I had an experience recently of driving quite a while uh, from from home to work. It's about a forty five minute drive, and yeah, I just I was just letting my mind wander, and I just turned off all the stuff and did that for a long time. the The thing that happens to me if I do that, especially when I'm driving, is I'll frequently want to take a note. I want to memorize it, or remember it, or something yeah. like that. And so I actually drive on a mountain road, so I can actually pull over. There's lots of pull over spots, so I'm a it takes a long time for me to get to work sometimes because <laughs> I'm smart. pulling over and, like, making notes or making a call. I'm very good about not doing that when I'm driving. I, like, disengage. And, of course, that road people always want you to pull over anyway because people like to go fast. Yeah, yeah I think that giving – I like that idea that the reason why – like, it sounded like you had a balance of I want to listen to these podcasts because I'll learn stuff and it's good for me and I enjoy them. And the other aspect of it is I don't want to always have a list of things to do because that has some kind of weight to it. That has some kind of noise in your mind. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's very easy for us to kind of make a decision at some point point. go, well, what we should do is this. And then you've made the decision of like who you're going to be. And then later in life, you're like, or later that day, you're trapped by that decision that was made, right? Yeah. Oh, I thought about this already. I've got to do this thing.
1: It's part of who I am. I'm a person who loves to learn things. Yeah. So, of I course, do. do. why would I not always be trying to learn things? Well, maybe because I need to digest some of the things I learned. Or maybe because... I need to process some emotional things that I'm that I'm going through or thinking about or reflect on some relationships I have or some friendships I have or, you know, where I want to what I want to do for the next month or two or if I want to start a project. Like there are all of these things right. that I cannot get from listening to an external thing that's trying to teach me something. Right. And. Sometimes you need to give yourself that credit that like there's something intrinsically in you that is worthwhile spending time on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And if not, what like, what is it that you're doing learning if you don't have something that has meaning without learning? Right? I mean, meaning that if you've learned something, then you're you're now Ben with something, you know, you're now Ben plus something. And therefore that, that time to be that new person after learning those things should be something that's part of the, it's part of owning that learning too. Yeah. 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 Interesting. One of the classes that I was teaching, I, I ended with hey, what you're doing right now in college is really, really hard. Be compassionate for yourself. Give yourself some compassion. Yeah. Don't just say, oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not good. You know, understand it's hard. Give yourself some space. Breathe. Accept it. You know, all those things that are kind of required to be healthy enough to be successful. Uh-huh or to be
1: it's like cramming for a test before you take a test if you stay up all night, you're gonna do really badly That's on the true. test because you're exhausted.
0: Can we switch gears? yes, in the beginning of January, I started tracking my time all your time yes, almost all, all my time. your time yeah, almost all my time
1: Wait just give me a, a landscape of what you're tracking
0: okay, so I'm using this application um API called toggle there's a t o g g l right yeah yeah there's a mac app there's an ios app there's another app called timery which works on the the apple watch which i have and what this system does is allows you to create projects allows you to have tags and allows you to write notes and start timers and the software is not as good as it needs to be for me to do it more effectively you can actually work you can on apple products you can create these things called workflows and so you can actually kind of do pseudo programming inside your phone Okay. To do different things. Like
1: when I arrive home, do this yeah. or whatever? Yeah, exactly.
0: So you can spend time making those, but I haven't spent a lot of time making those. Some people use a lot of those to track these things. But I have learned a lot. So the, the, the categories I've got, I've got one that's Geek Speak. I've got one that's We Are Netflix. I've got a project that's uh, the important thing. And then I have um, probably like six different projects for for work. You know, Programming, planning, meetings. And these are all kind of like types of activities I do All of them under the umbrella of working at Netflix, right?
1: Uh, Eating and pooping?
0: I don't have those kinds of things in there as a timers, but I do have social media in there. So when I go onto Facebook, I tag it.
1: So not biological processes, but social processes, work processes, podcast processes.
0: And I was tracking um, stuff at home. Okay. But after the first day, I'm like, this is ridiculous. This is the of, one thing I don't want to track. It's a lot of overhead, right? It's a lot of overhead. All this context. It works fine when you're at a computer. And, you know, all those things I mentioned before pretty much is you're at a machine. So it's pretty easy. Right. But, you know, if I'm walking the dog or I'm, I'm having a conversation with my kids, there's no reason for me to go poke about my phone. In fact, that's what I don't want to be doing. So I'm not tracking that stuff. Um, but, and, and the social stuff I only really track for like a week, um, I found that the best way to deal with that is having the what I'm trying to do is keep track of and understand how I do what I do. I, you know, I, have, four, I have four podcasts. I have a job. I'm also on the side of a blacksmith. I'm a parent, and I run a theater company, a uh, building, help run a building. And I, um, you know, I'm a partner <laughs> to, my, to my wife. So there's a lot there. And where I decide to put my energy and time de- determines how successful I am in different areas. And when I took on this job of teaching at UCSE, which is like one day a week basically or half a day a week, I knew there'd be a lot of workload on it. And I wanted to keep track of that so I knew I wasn't doing a disservice to Netflix but instead was trading other parts of my life because I want to be successful at my job. It's important to me. Right. Yeah. So I started just tracking the time to keep track of that. So I definitely track all my time for the class that I'm doing and I'm tracking all my time for, for programming. I currently don't have a timer running for what we're doing right now, which is Geek Speak, I guess. Um, but I probably will denote it later. But the point is that I got a, I got a month out of it, of doing it, because I've done it for more than a month now. And so I looked back at that month, and I do, I, I, work, I do a lot more than I thought I did, actually. But the thing that's most interesting is how much the timers have affected my focus. They've really improved my focus.
1: Oh, Interesting. Because you're being much more intentional with your time.
0: If I don't, I have to start new timers and I have to make new categories. I'm like oh, always. Do. So I'm sitting here programming on a project that I'm working on. I'm doing an API transformation thing for work, and so I'm working on this project. And then you know, a text message comes in. I'm like, okay, that's there, and I keep working. Because if I were to switch over to the text message, which is about my class or about home life, or whatever, I'd have to stop the timer I was working on right now. And so the now
1: I know you're not responding to my texts. <laughs> anymore <laughs> i don't have a timer for friends forget that so wait can can i summarize please you've basically just described introducing friction mm. to switching uh contact uh, concept uh, contexts yeah context switching
0: it's definitely that
1: whereas normally it's really easy to to like fragment your time
0: it's also i mean there's a stress level involved in it so i had a timer I, I came to work i start my computer I had a timer going for, and I started up what I was going to work on, which was programming this uh, API thing. And so I have the timer going, and then something happened where I, I think it was like a text from home or something that was kind of like, oh, yeah, the the building that I helped manage, Park Hall, has a problem with a the thermostat and the network, and it's like a networking problem and stuff. And so I was like, well, let me respond real quick. No, I can, I can do this this weekend. So that's all I started doing. But because I didn't stop the timer that was programming, I had like a very finite amount of time. I felt like I could do that, like, you know. 30 seconds. If I can't do it in 30 seconds, I've got to stop my timer. So there's like this rush and urgency to do this. But that means that I then was not going to engage well with these people. And there were people that needed me there at this building. They had a technical question. They needed my expertise. So I'm like, oh, so I stopped the timer and engaged. Right. So there's there's definitely like that friction can actually cause you to be not as excellent a person as you want to be because I wasn't directing my focus because of the friction. So I don't I don't like the side effect of the mm. friction, but I do like the side effect of the focus. So I'm working on a theme this year for myself, and I've finally landed on the theme is focus. When you're doing a thing, stay on that thing mm. and really focus on that. If you can't focus on that thing, stop what you're doing and focus on something else. And so I'm, it's kind of what I'm learning from this.
1: Have you ever tracked huh. your time? Uh, yeah. How'd it go? I forget to. But uh, there, there is an app that I run in the background, and it it tracks what websites I'm on and how, like how much time I spend using different applications. And I found that to be fantastic. It kind of automatically categorizes things, and I don't really toggle
0: app does this too. It has this log of all the all the all the apps I'm using on my computer, but it doesn't that doesn't translate easily to something like. Do you ever see a report that helps you understand what you were doing? Yeah. I want to know more. I want to see your reports.
1: Yeah, sure. You're you're welcome to. The thing I really like about it is it tells me, it, it shows me a notification. Four hours productive. Not you've been working for four hours since you started your day, but you have done four hours of productive work. How does it know productive? Uh, so it will categorize things as unknown. And then you go in at the beginning and you say, oh, Facebook is, like, it knows Facebook is distracting. Actually, when I was working at Facebook, I had to categorize Facebook <laughs> as work because I don't use Facebook for personal stuff and I use right. it all the time for work.
0: And, and at Facebook, Facebook is the, like, company management uh, communication system. Right? Well,
1: uh, yeah, they use workplace now. But, um, okay. but yeah, it, it was just interesting. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, you go and you categorize things, you check your categorizations and just make sure they all look Roughly right. Can you give an example? Like you
0: use a code editor, right? Do you like use MS Code? Yeah, I use VS Code. VS Code. So, Anytime I'm VS, code VS Code or code, MS Code?
1: VS Code is what it's called. The Microsoft's one. Yeah, it's VS Code. Oh, okay.
0: Code. I just noticed code now because that's the command line oh, for all of That's so good. It's such it. a good app. So, this, this editor, when you use that, it knows you're being productive.
1: It knows I'm being productive and it knows that I'm programming. Can I ping you on that a bit? Yeah. Do you have a personal website? Uh, Yeah, but I don't work on it. Okay. And also, I, I use Sublime Text for that on my personal ah, machine. Intentionally? Yeah, intentionally. Ah,
0: okay, okay. So that will help you track which is which. Uh-huh. So if I just use a different editor for the different technical things I'm
1: doing... Yeah, I use the Brave browser for personal stuff. Now, I, actually, it should understand when I'm using any browser f- and I'm on Facebook, it'll know that it's distracting. Right. Uh, but I just do that for separation for myself. I put my personal... Uh, Browser window as a full screen on my on my laptop's screen, and so I can swipe over to personal land, do some stuff, swipe back, and all of my monitors are all on work.
0: So that's great because that way you're focused on work and nothing's distracting you from it. Theoretically, yeah. So I use Chrome uh, personalities, personas, per, uh,
1: people, people, yeah.
0: And so I have three, right? I've got like my it's
1: profiles. It's basically it's profiles. profiles right. It's called
0: people, I think. So Chrome, you can create just like you can do an incognito window in the Chrome. In browser or something else, you can actually do it with different people. So I've actually labeled three personas, right? And they're my three Google addresses. They're my UCSC one, my personal one, my Netflix one. We right. all use Google. And so they're all logged in. The bookmarks are shared. I think the bookmarks are actually shared across all of them. But the experience of being able to toggle them kind of works. However, I don't think my tool that tracks things understands the difference. And they are very much like if I'm in my personal work, that's personal. If I'm in my work one... It's definitely work. I don't do funky stuff in and, and the wrong ones, right? Yeah. So I guess I just need to see if I can set that up. I'll, I'll let them, what's your software you use?
1: Uh, I've been trying to remember the okay. name of it for a while. We
0: will put this in the show notes. You'll uh-huh. tell me. Maybe I'll even so know. focus.
1: Focus. That's a good theme. I think focus is a good theme. Do you have a theme this year? Uh do you let's say Let's say focus. That seems good. <laughs> Cheater. Um, no, I, I, I find that I... Actually, I think partially because I don't have the best memory. I find that I live more in the present than most people just automatically without working towards it. And so I additionally work towards living even more in the present. Uh, It means I don't really have a five-year vision for myself. I mean, I I can think like sitting here, what would I want to do in five years? Uh, It's a lot easier to say, what do I not want to do or what general direction do I want to go? Uh but yeah like I I'm not really thinking about next month and I'm not really thinking about yesterday all that much. It's interesting I've never had long-term plans. I, I just don't do that. Can you remember what happened yesterday? Cuz for me it's like black. What do you mean it's like black? Uh, if I don't open up my calendar? Yeah. Or if I don't sit here. What, what did you do yesterday? What do you what did you for lunch yesterday? Who did I eat with? Who did I eat with yesterday for lunch? Are you being? Present yesterday was the if day. If you can't remember what you did, yeah, I'm present with you. Tomorrow, someone's gonna say, "What did you do yesterday?" And uh, I mean, maybe because of this conversation, I'll remember. But I, I would probably say, "I don't know." Like, what did I do yesterday? Well, yesterday was Valentine's Day. They were moving all no, of the today's stuff. <laughs> well, from tomorrow, yesterday was Valentine's Day. They were moving all the desks For on my floor. Which is why I worked from home. So if they were moving the desk on my floor, what would I have done? Well, me, I was working from home. Mm. Uh, you just did something. I probably would have. I, I would have gone into work to get lunch because there's lunch at work. Yes. But so if okay. I was ben, that so. What you just
0: did is so much. What I do with memory. You're reverse
1: engineering. Reverse with,
0: engineering what I would have done.
1: Yeah, and that's it's terrible. Not a good way to think. If of if memory. someone says like you said this, I wouldn't say that. That's the most I can think. It's like under what circumstances. That's Could I imagine that I would say this? That's fantastic.
0: Is there something else that's like, is there something else, some other quality that we don't have?
1: Uh, we're just broken human beings. <laughs> no. I, mean, uh, I I yeah. think
0: novelty is easier to remember than, than repetitiveness, right? It's like you're going to remember... And repetitivity. Tomorrow. Repetitivity.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we should say that multiple times. And redundancy, too. Repetitivity. Redundancy. I I don't know any more synonyms. (laughs) you going to say it
0: again. Um, Tomorrow you're going to remember what happened because the the building was all ripped apart and the office was moved and you moved desks. Like, that whole thing is going to be a big change for you. Like, you remember all the desks you've had at this company. You probably remember a few desks you had at at Facebook, right? That's something that's pretty easy to remember.
1: Spatial stuff is easier. Spatial stuff is easier for me, too. Um, But,
0: like, yeah, yesterday I had— Processes are easier. Yesterday I had lunch in the same room with the same people as I did today. And the day before yesterday, I did the same. So it's very hard
1: to remember remember all of that because no, they're the same. No, everything was just hard to remember for me. Uh, spatial That's stuff. That's interesting. So hard yeah, hard, hard to remember things. That's good. Good to know. How do you compensate for that? How do, oh, I mean, how many minutes do we have? You said you look at your calendar? Yes, I try to put everything on the calendar so I can, so I can look back at it later. Uh, just as much as like remembering in the future. I use photographs. Photographs are good, except when I take photos, it takes me out of the moment. And I would much rather be in the moment and forget than take photos all the time and not be in the moment. Can I quote you on that? Sure. You'd, you'd rather be in the moment
0: and not remember it later yeah. than taking a break from the moment to take a photograph so you can actually enjoy that moment more later. You can see where yes. my judgment is.
1: Yes. <laughs> Interesting.
0: I take too many photographs. Yes, I know. My current library at home.
1: 200,000?
0: 280,000 photographs. It's
1: 280, too many photographs. What am I going to do that? I was
0: just thinking about the, like, I think that I want to delete them at some point completely. Because oh, what kind of burden no, do you pass do to your children? Like, no. I don't want to give this photo collection to my kids. Send
1: it to archive.org or something. I mean, obviously, there are tons of problems with that. <laughs> like the privacy of everyone who you've ever <laughs> photographed. Yeah. But at the same time, in like in like three hundred years, it'd be interesting.
0: No, this is the time of. I don't think that's true, because everybody has too many photographs from right now. There is going to be so many photographs, totally useless. The reason why photographs from like I mean, you're good at photography. Most people are okay. Not. <laughs> I agree. Let's say we cut down to five percent of my photographs and keep them.
1: Yes, great. Okay. So wait until uh, machine learning gets good enough
0: to tell me if they're good or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You said earlier that we didn't like to talk before we get here because if it's a good conversation, we want to have it on on air. I don't remember saying that. I know, but you did say it because I have a little note here. It's a good conversation with the Zebra Sarasa pen.
1: I do remember saying that, yeah.
0: And I almost corrected you to interesting conversation. I have a tendency to dislike the judgment of good or bad, I realized. In thinking that, I thought, oh— I have some judgment about good. But it's shorthand. In- interesting is a shorthand. I'm mean, like, what's the difference between interesting and good? I mean, I don't know. Is there anything different? But, but for he, me, I almost, I almost I almost, said, no, that's not how you say it. I'm like, well, first off, Ben can say anything he wants. But it's mm-hmm. interesting. Like, why do I dislike the idea of a good conversation?
1: couple thoughts here. I think that our brains are very good at uh, categorizing, categorizing things as one or zero, good or bad, true mm. or false, right or wrong. Uh and so interestingly enough I think that using the word good in some contexts yes it is lazy or a shortcut it's an easy shortcut to make but the fact that you say the word good is always bad it's kind of ironic
0: <laughs> Did I say that
1: No but I, I mean saying that <laughs> Ben I
0: don't do that I don't think To say, I mean, I did just judge what you said, so obviously I do have that. I
1: mean, you didn't phrase it. You didn't frame it. But, for example,
0: if you say, hey, will you taste this pasta? I'm like, oh, I don't actually normally eat pasta, but yeah, I'll taste it because you made it. And then you go, do you like it? Um, Yeah, I mean, I could imagine the pasta. It'd be very hard for me not to find a good quality about something that you made. Right, even if it tasted really, really bad.
1: But what does that mean? A good quality? Well, that's what I'm saying.
0: Is you said that we judge things. Our brain is either, you know, one or zero. No, I don't. But you could have just good. as
1: easily said a desirable quality, or an enjoyable quality. But you said good quality, and that's exactly what I said around good conversation rather than interesting conversation. Yeah. Just in a different context. Yeah, yeah.
0: I just I think it was interesting that you you, you think that our brains are trying to decide between yes or no.
1: That's how we have to communicate is to force granularity oh man i'm really bad at that when it doesn't exist i'm really bad at that
0: someone recently asked me a question like do you think that this should happen and i went well i can see these are the benefits of it and these are the downsides of it and they said do you think this should happen well here's all the scope of things that's good about that and here's all the scope of bad things about it yes but what do you think you make the call If you had
1: to make a decision.
0: I think adding those all up, I'd go with this decision. Yeah. But the detail is more important in my mind than the actual choice. Maybe that's a thing I have to learn to be a better leader. (sighs) Yeah. Leaders make decisions. Like, I'm going to go to a meeting and we're going to end the podcast
1: right Now. now.